Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Before we get started, we've got Jonathan Leonard calling in with some quick thoughts on the Rat Patrol episode. Hey, Greg. This is John calling. Uh, this is definitely, I've fallen behind on the show, but uh, listening to your episode on Rat Patrol and a uh, little bit of uh, lyric semantics when you guys were talking about the yeah, I don't think they were talking about the yeah at the very end of it. Uh, it was the kind of the pause to stretch it out because that ending wailing by I'm assuming Slansburg is just kind of a rock yell. I always kind of thought that uh, he was going for a Yoko Ono kind of thing with that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Anyways, love the show. Bye. Thanks for calling in. As always, Jonathan, anyone could leave us a voicemail at 224-801-2930 to hear yourself on the show. Alrighty, on with the episode. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I am joined today by a a very special Team BG inner circle dude, Stan Harrison, saxophonist on the song that we're going to be talking about, Withered Hope, off of The Else. What's up, man? How are you doing, Greg? Good to be here. Yeah, I'm doing great. I just finished a bass tracking session, and uh, it was my... I got a couple bands. My more punk band were doing a cover of The Communists Have the Music, which doesn't have any horns on it, but are you familiar with the songs, one of their newer ones? 
I'm I'm not. Oh, oh. Linnell would be very disappointed in you. I'm just kidding. It's it's one of their most popular newer <laughs> he songs. He might well be. It came out on My Murdered Remains, which was uh, the tail end of 2018. Anyway, it's a super cool song. So we sped it up like 20 BPM and gave it like that West Coast like skate punk beat, and like it came out really cool because it's about. You know, communists and fascists, and all, you know the communists have the music, the fascists have the outfits. <laughs> uh, I'll have to. It's a great song. It's fucking great. Like I don't know, I don't know how much you've surfed around the wiki. Um, like I was looking at Withered Hope. Like people can score songs on the wiki, and Withered Hope is at two sixty six, which seems like oh, that's not that great, but it's out of nine hundred and ten scorable songs on the wiki. So it's really, you know, it's in the top third. Wait. 266 out of 910. So not too bad, but I I think it should be higher. But like if you look at the, um, let's see, because you can. I had had been perusing it. Like, oh, actually, since we we first uh, were in touch with one another. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like you could really get sucked in there because it's one of the most comprehensive fan wikis of anything I've ever seen. Yeah. but if you look at the song ratings, like uh, you kind of got to click over. There's like a songs tab. Like Birdhouse in Your Soul, of course, is at number one. The fans have ranked at number one. Birdhouse, Anna Ing, Don't Let's Start. None of that's a big surprise, right? Um, but then if you go down to number nine, The Communists Have the Music is number nine. A song from 2018. I got to listen to it. It cracked the top ten, and it's only a three-year-old song. It's a great song. Um, but I think Withered Hope should be way higher, and we're going to talk about just how awesome this song is. So, so do I. I really, I really am I'm surprised, to be honest with you. I think the else um, is kind of, I mean, it's like one of their darker records as far as, I mean, they might be giants, always have dark lyrics. They're one of those bands that, you know, people will be like, oh, they're such a silly band. But if you listen to the lyrics, like, they're not silly you know they're very dark no they're they're <laughs> right they, i mean they, they have goofy moments you know sure. but but they're i mean when you when you're on stage with them when you see a show i mean there's a lot of goofiness that occurs oh, yeah, but yeah. their songs their songs aren't aren't uh, as goofy as they might they might seem at first right. like the john's banter and is Wither hilarious Hope is a it's very, very, very fun. <laughs> very, very funny. And before we get too deep into Withered Hope or, or the else, I think um, I want to go back to how you got first first hooked up with the Johns and with They Might Be Giants. And I want to know, first of all, did you know about the band? Had you heard them before you worked with them? Were you a fan of the band like in yeah, the well, 80s? Okay, well, I'm trying to remember when I. It seems like it's a band that I've known of forever. Okay, but I couldn't tell you when. I saw the band once, probably when uh, maybe Dan invited me to see them, but I won't swear to that. It's, they were playing somewhere in New York, mm-hmm. and it could have been the Beacon Theater, but for some reason, I'm not. But I'm. I'm just. I'm just not sure. And what year but, you think uh, this it, is in the late '80s? It might have been in the late '80s or early '90s, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, but I just can't. I can't remember. I mean, they, they. I. I remember they sounded great. I remember. I. I remember thinking how there was a certain goofiness that I <laughs> that I experienced <laughs> on the stage. I remember that, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I was. I first started to work with them uh, because of uh, Dan Levine. Mm-hmm. 
Dan Dan got me uh, got me. Uh, the, I did. I forget. I'm gonna forget a lot of names, and I'll probably forget dates. And maybe I can know, help you too. It's funny because I've talked to so many people and a lot of the past members, and like Dan Hickey, who uh, he's picking another song to come on, but he did uh, "Rest a While," which is off the "Working Undercover for the Man" EP, which came out right before Mink Car. Uh, and so, I mean, it was 20 years ago that he drummed for the band, and he's. <laughs> I had to ask right. him something. He's like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> or like i yeah, i tell him something just because i'm a f- fucking nerd and you know or it's on the wiki or whatever like i'd tell him he's like didn't i drum on that i'm like no that was that was brian doherty <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> well i'm feeling less less badly right now i'm, I'm you know it's, you're making me feel better <laughs> good, good, uh, good, good. For, for now and for what will be happening over this this next hour or so but yeah i mean i i believe it was a, a a record that I don't know if it was a record or a theme song that was the very first thing that I I did but the first thing I did was a recording session somewhere in Brooklyn okay, okay. and and the first live thing that I did with them might have been although I won't swear to it the uh, Millennium show on uh, that that was John John Stewart's oh, the Daily show? show oh Man, you were on that? Okay, I do remember, because yeah, I've played parts of that, like I, when I did the episode on um, I Can Hear You, because they did that on that show. I think they played out the episode with I Can Hear You, recording it into the old uh, wax cylinder Edison recorder. Thing, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you're on, do you remember what song it was? You know, it could have been a theme song for all I know that I was recording that one day. Okay. I just don't remember. Because they did record. So Bob Mould of Husker Du is the one that wrote the song, and it's a Bob Mould version on the Craig Kilborn Daily Show. And then when John Stewart well, wrote, took over. Which, he, he wrote which song? The the Daily Show theme. It's called Dog oh, Dog oh, oh, on oh, Fire oh. or something like that. I'd have to verify. He wrote it, but then when John Stewart took over the Daily Show, he had TMBG re-record okay. it. So they didn't write okay. the theme song, but they did record it, and it has horns all over it. Are you on that? That theme? I don't know. Or was it just I, for that I one just, episode? I don't know. I, you know, I, maybe I I don't remember. Jeez. I honestly don't remember. I'm furiously Googling here. That's a good here. question. <laughs> uh, the Millennium Special. Yeah, I mean, did they play the theme live? I don't know if I've watched the entire Millennium Special and like Comedy Central and stuff. You know, all the uh, TV channels, they don't just let stuff sit on YouTube. They'll rip it down. The Daily Show, Greatest Millennium Special. Because um, there is something on YouTube here. TMBG was the house band on the Daily Show, Greatest Millennium Special, 1999. So does that right. sound right? 99 then? I mean, uh, right yeah, that, at the... Yes, that's, it was right at that's the New Year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at the New Year. Did... Yeah, I'm wondering if like if the theme song was played live by them that day. Because I'm currently watching it right here. I'm seeing if... Uh, you know, I think I should remember that. Yeah. I mean, this is like four minutes. I'm not going to sit here and watch this all but right now. But um, So that, that that seems about right. Is you know, right at the tail end of 99 was the first time you played with them? Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah, I'm currently looking at the wiki on... Uh, songs that you are credited on, and I did just talk to Dan Levine. I mean, it was about a month ago, but I think I'm going to have it air. I might have yours and his air back to back because that kind of makes sense, right? As Triceratops guys and Velcro Horns guys, um, and we talked about Electric Car, uh, me and him, which you are also on playing uh flute, and I mean, you play a bunch of stuff on that, don't you? On Electric Car, 
You're going to have to tell me. <laughs> uh, an electric car. Well, I know his. Is it his brother? Jonathan Levine plays a lot of. Um, he, he probably plays alto sax, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe he plays clarinet. I'm not Co- sure. According to the I'm wiki, not... he plays piccolo, alto flute. You play the standard uh, concert flute. Uh, and then he plays alto sax and bass clarinet. It has you listed okay. as flute, tenor sax, and berry sax. Okay. And then Kurt is trumpet and flugelhorn. And Michael Leonard is another trumpet and flugelhorn right. and mellophone. Right. And then Dan on trombone, alto horn. Uh, I had to look up what an alto horn is. Yeah. Bass, trombone, and euphonium. There is so much stuff on that song. Like the arrangement that yeah, Dan did is just incredible. It is. And, and I, I remember being at that session and playing at it. But if you ask me anything else, <laughs> I just told you everything I remember. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, because I want to know, because Team BG, it's not like it's your full-time gig. I mean, you've done a lot with them at this point, but I want to know, and I know my listeners want to know, what, um, tell me a little bit about your musical career pre-Team BG then. Well, um, God, I don't know how far you want to go back, but... I All mean, the way I, to birth. I, band- <laughs> <laughs> I came out playing clarinet solo. Uh, <laughs> you came out you're just busting out some Benny Goodman song I wrote it yeah, right? <laughs> I wrote a song called Why Am I Here before I actually came out I'm all naked and or, wet where the hell am I yeah. yes. <laughs> what is this fucking cold place <laughs> exactly I'm not ready yet yeah seriously um, I've got a three week old uh, upstairs right now with my oh, wife <laughs> Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah, she she came out crying, <laughs> which was nice because our first did not. She was a little bit tangled up in the umbilical cord and came out, and they had to very quickly get her going. And so it it was, you know, I mean, it was probably like under a minute before she cried, but it was like the longest minute of my life. I'm like, I can, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Oh God. How old is she now? She's going to be she? three in September, and she's just fine. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but it was oh, it was a scary first right. couple of days. She had to be in the NICU. I'm sure. I'm sure. But this one, she uh, right out and cried and all that so very smoothly with this one. So thank God because we were a little worried. But she's uh, she's doing well. Three weeks old, you know, just doing the eating, sleeping, pooping, you know. But uh, right, I know. So I mean, good. I have two daughters. They're older than that. I I remember those days. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful days. Yeah. She's uh, she's um, awesome, and it's nice that uh, it worked out well. You know, as an educator, my wife's my wife's a Spanish professor here at Purdue, and I'm a music teacher, so we're both. You know, we got a way more open schedule, so we didn't really time it out, but it just happened that you know she was born in June, and we both can spend full days with her. So it's been that's uh, really great. Nice, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Anywho, so yeah, it came out playing a clarinet solo, and then you learned the sax when <laughs> okay. you were one. <laughs> It's something like that. Yeah, and I, right. I quit numerous times before I was four. I had really you know, big hands a for a toddler. Who, yeah. I've got a friend who's, who's, who's yes, I, a, fr- a, fr- a friend whose brother was supposedly a clarinet, a prodigy when it came to clarinet playing. Mm-hmm. And at the age of something like eight, he quit taking lessons over artistic differences with his teacher. <laughs> Which I, I always love. <laughs> he had different thoughts about playing over the break. He he didn't really like what something he did. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I I had and back to your question. I had done a, a number of things before uh, 
God before they might be giants. Some of which um, were, I mean, the first big band, I, I, I played with Novells. I don't know if you ever heard of that band mm. out of Philadelphia. That, but but they they had a song called You Can't Sit Down and the, Brist- and the Bristle Stop as well. They were known for those two songs big, big time. But, but after that, I, I started touring with uh, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Hmm. It sounds like you don't really know that. I either. don't. It's a cool name, though, but I will definitely drop in. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm already looking at the Bristol Stump. I'm going to drop in a clip of that. People are going to want to hear this. You know, when I had Marty on, I and it was play, a while ago. Play, oh, you didn't play on that I one. Didn't play, yeah, I didn't play on any. I didn't, reco- I, I didn't record on any of their hits. Oh, okay. Although, when I played with them, they were a lounge act. Got and, it. and the only recording I did is one day... We went to New York and in one day recorded a double album. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) In one day. I mean, one was considered a studio album and one was considered a live album. In order to make it sound like a live album, we we all of us sat around and clapped. (laughs) <laughs> to, 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 that, to the second album before we left. That's worse than Kiss Alive. <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm telling you, I don't know Kiss Alive, but I can't imagine that it could be. Oh, people say that, that you know that Paul Stanley went in and like overdubbed and fixed stuff or whatever on that. It's supposed to be a live album, you know. So, is there a Dovell's that track that I could? that I could drop in here where people would hear you playing sax on it, a track off of that. No, album? no, 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 no. I, not that I, not that I know of. I mean, it's, it, we're talking about a long time ago. I have no idea if this thing even exists. They would sell it at their shows. Oh, it's got Everything's you know, on Spotify, but, man. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're, they're I'd a doo group. I mean, they formed in the, in the well late fifties. Whoa. Yeah, they were, they were, you know, and their lead singer who was gone by the time I, I was in the band, uh, his name was Len Barry, mm-hmm. and he had hits on under his own name. Yeah, okay. But I'm surprised that you'd never heard of. It's funny that to say that you did, you haven't heard of, of uh, Southside Johnny because just today I was picturing some of the other bands I played with, and I was wondering at what point nobody would remember them as well. I was wondering if, when I, in my lifetime, mm-hmm. will there be a lot of people who, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, like, I always, I'm jumping ahead here, although this was still pre-They Might Be Giants, but mm-hmm. one band that I always loved uh, and was so happy to get a call to record with was... Uh, is Radiohead? You wait. And you flew recorded with Radiohead? Yeah, Holy and shit. and did some live shows. I'm the Barry Sax player on a tune called the National Anthem. You're, oh my god, you're on the National Anthem? Jesus, that's a yeah. that's amazing. That must have been a fun recording session. You got to kind of go wild on that thing. I could tell you about that. It's a pretty cool yes, please. story. But yes, please. Okay, I, <laughs> I don't know how you could fit this into uh, They Might Be Giants. Thing, Dude, but, they're but another rock band that like kind of cerebral, you know, thinking man's rock band, kind of like They Might Be Giants. They seem like they don't go along, but there's a lot of crossover with fandom. So people will definitely want to uh, okay. hear this, man. Let's let's hear about the National uh, okay. Anthem. Okay, well, it was really, really, I mean, I was living in London. My, my wife is Canadian, but she was living in London. She mm. lived in London for about 12 years. And I moved to London for a couple of years before we got, we got married in London and, and, uh, and came back. A couple of months before my older daughter was born, uh, 
Okay, so so I'm in London, and a friend of mine named Andy Bush uh, got a. He called me. I don't need to get to go too far back in, in, into the story, but he called me to ask me if I wanted to do this session, and of course, I I was so ecstatic about this. So we're at their studio in uh, near Oxford, I guess it was mm. their home studio, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, and the basic thing is they they want this song. I mean, I mean Johnny Greenwood. I guess he was the one who wrote, came up with the main idea. It could have, it yeah. could have been Tom. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but they want they want there to be a big like they described it. I believe as something like a Charlie Mingus meltdown, <laughs> something like, something like that. Meltdown, yeah. And there were, you know, there were at least ten of ten horn players on that session. Yeah, a lot of it. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the. For, it, you know, it says that Tom York wrote the national anthem baseline when he was 16. What? Oh, okay, so he so, brought it back. Okay. But then Johnny Greenwood added, um, like sampled stuff and and did a lot of the process. It sounds like he was kind of maybe the arrangement guru on that. I th- well, there was one main horn, line, a couple of main horn lines that, that that were there, but there was a lot of improvising. Okay, and so we did we did a, a few tracks where we were all improvising, and and uh, Niall Godrich, uh, mm-hmm. the producer. Mm-hmm. Probably with uh, with everybody else agreeing, uh, said that that it wasn't cohesive enough. It wasn't coherent. No co- cohesive. Sure. Um, people were just going all over the place because we, all we knew was that we were supposed to be playing, but there were a lot of us, and, <laughs> and we had just really heard the song, and so right. and so and so I said to the, to I said to Tom, they were both in the room at the time. I said, listen. Maybe maybe you could conduct us uh, uh-huh. something as simple as waving your your hands if you want a lot of activity, uh, moving them up, yeah. giving us a sign that you want louder, softer, mm-hmm. quiet, you know, like less, you know, direct us. And 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 Tom said, God, I, I've never done anything like that <laughs> before. He's a little bit reluctant, and and I probably said it will help keep us together if we have some type of general thing so the next thing i know tom is standing in front of like a half half of the section and johnny's in front of the other half and they everybody could see one another and soon after we start playing like tom is jumping up and down (laughs) and waving his arms he's like he looks like he's having a great time I mean, because he, he was like now controlling this massive group of horn yeah. players, and within within a couple of takes, we were we were finished. Yeah, you know, we went out to the pub and and, and had a had a biter just on nice. that. Nice. Yeah, it was a, a cool thing, and then we ended up playing. Uh, we ended up playing the Jules Holland show, and we in and in London, and we we played. Paris and in New York. I'm I'm looking at the yeah. I'm just kind of scrolling the Wikipedia page for the national anthem, the Radiohead song. It says, "Can you confirm this?" It says, "Okay, so like you said, it says York and Greenwood directed the musicians to sound like a quote traffic jam." And according to York, he jumped up and down so much during his conducting that he broke his foot. Okay, 
that I don't remember. <laughs> but, but, but as I said, he, I didn't. But he was jumping up and down. Really <laughs> Maybe that was out. later. He's like, man, my foot hurts. You know, some of this, like you go to the <laughs> doctor, you're like, man, there's a fracture there. It, and then it says, York said, quote, the running joke when we were in the studios was just blow, just blow, just blow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, the musicians here, you've got uh, just one trumpet, Andy Bush, and then saxes, you've got. Uh, Steve Hamilton and Martin Hathaway on alto. You've got Andy Hamilton on tenor. Uh, you've got you on Barry. Oh, yeah, and Mark Lockhart also on tenor. And then you've got uh, Liam Kirkham on trombone and Mark Kersey on bass trombone. So there's eight. Let's see, one, two, three, four, eight horns on that. Okay, I thought there were even more of us. So it, it, was, it was big. It, it was big. That's it amazing. was a blast. I, I mean, bet. And, you know, 10 years went by. And then Johnny Greenwood got in touch with me and said that they were playing uh, the Stephen Colbert show, and and he wanted to know if I could put together a, a horn section. And so I did that, and that was one of the songs that we played, and and a few others. I saw and that. I'm gonna have to go back and see if again if Comedy Central has it up somewhere where I'd be able to just pull up that clip. I remember watching that, and I did not know. I guess. I mean, I had heard you already playing with Team BG at that point, but I, maybe I wouldn't have recognized your face. I don't know. Um, or expected I, you I to be up there with Radiohead. I wouldn't have expected yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but no, and that was, God, that could have been 10 years ago. So uh, I'm due for another call from them. That's so cool. Um, oh, I also had the Wikipedia page up for uh, Southside Johnny. Tell me a little bit about that. So then this is backing up. When was it that you were playing with? I, I hate to give away these dates, but I I <laughs> was with I was with him from uh, from May of 1977 to November of 1979. But they're still around. I, I, I love Southside. Yeah, I'm seeing this here. Yeah, but but uh, still rocking it. At uh, yeah, he's 72. And, and I, I recently I recently did uh, like two and a half years, a good bit of two and a half years until. November of 2019 mm-hmm. with with uh, Steve with little Steven and the Disciples of Soul and you know Steve did you ever hear of that that band by any chance no I did not okay, well you know you know who Steve Van Zandt oh yeah is? sure sure okay well it was his his band gotcha. and you know he was heavily he was connected with Southside yeah I'm looking at that the uh, the like on Wikipedia you know they'll have like members and then they'll have past members the past members on Southside Johnny and the Esbury Jukes is just so long and I see Dan Levine's name was, on here as well he performed with him I, I wasn't sure maybe he was in the band I'm also seeing La Bamba as in Conan's Richie Rosenberg La Bamba yeah I mean La Bamba might have been the original trombone player after the first record. Oh, man, and I'm this, I'm the, I'm the second touring saxophone player. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, Stephen Van Zant is the first listed past member. Yeah, he's the probably the most famous. Sure. But other bands I've worked with include uh, Duran Duran and David Bowie and, oh my and God. Uh, Serge so, Gansborg, who was amazing, an amazing French singer. But back to Bowie, I'm a huge Bowie guy. Actually, uh, when when he passed, I did for like three months. We did just a little like a tribute band, and I actually busted out. You know, my <laughs> I'm a trombonist. Like that was my 
scholarship instrument and stuff but like i do okay on saxes and clarinets flutes what i suck at but i do okay on sax i actually busted out uh for this cover set we did we did um lazarus off of black star his last album right before he passed Uh, 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 and uh, i uh, i i borrowed a tenor and uh honked out the tenor part for that song so that was that was really fun to try it was a good it was a good challenge for me and it's really not that hard of a sax part but um that was a cool album so are you on records with Bowie, or did you tour with Bowie? I I did the Serious Moonlight tour. Cool. What year? Uh, what year is that? I'm on. I'm on. That was 1983. Oh, okay. That's a good era. I'm on. The first record I did with him was the Let's Dance record. Oh my god! Man. And then I did the sub. The two records. No, one, the one I did uh, then tonight. I did the next two records, I think it was, and then I did one later. Later, uh, I can't remember if it was Outsider. I forget which, which which one it was. I've done about four or five records. Dang, man! Yeah. What's the song off Let's da- Let's Dance that you're on? Is there? There's not saxes on the uh, title track, is there? Or is there? Yeah. Oh, Are you man. kidding? They're, oh, I'm forgetting how long this song is. The, the <laughs> I'm forgetting like the dance mix or the single version was four minutes. The album version was seven yeah, minutes. I'm forgetting how. I mean, it's a great album. I mean, like it's it's a fantastic album. Like him going to make a pop record, uh, but it's still a Bowie pop record. So it's still amazing. I'll have to, let me play something. I'll drop in a clip here. Uh, I'll find a real good sexy moment off of let's dance. It's incredible. What what was it like working with Bowie? It was it was great. I mean I mean in a nutshell it was it was great. He's everything that you can imagine. That I mean like he's incredibly creative, incredibly uh, smart. Yeah, he was funny. We laughed a lot, but I, that describes my relationship with a lot of the people I've worked with. Um. It was it was magical, you know. I mean, it yeah. was a major a major tour. It was a phenomenally major tour. Yeah. It was possibly one of the biggest up until that, up to that you know point. Yeah. And and uh, it was a kind of a dream, Do you know. It was the great hotels, private jets, that oh, type of man. It was Dude. it was great. So TMBG was like, you're like, yeah, I guess I'll play with you guys. 
<laughs> I mean, I played well, with no, Bowie no, and I, Radiohead, but you know, they might be giants. They're okay. <laughs> I, I really have a lot of respect for they might be giants. You know, I really I think they're really great. Well, of course. You I mean, know, I, I mean, do a podcast about them. Of course, I'm joking. But like David Bowie, I mean, but, that's a whole other tier, man. It's a different. It's a different sort of. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree on you know. I, David Bowie is is uh, a national, an international, like an. Inter- I mean, you know what I what I'm. Oh yeah, he's I'm one sure, of the greatest. Sure, uh, there's so many. Yeah, one of the absolute greatest. One of the most spectacularly creative people who I ever met. Any anyway. Yeah, and as far as bands and artists that don't like box themselves into a genre, like he is the top like well, first guy that comes to mind i mean like they might be giants will dance around so many different genres which is why i love them and bowie he was more like one of those guys where like him or like an elvis costello where it's like this record i'm gonna be this this record i'm gonna be this where they might be giants is like this track i'm gonna be this this track we're gonna be this yeah i love you know, that bowie yeah. went through a number of different uh personas mm-hmm. He was it was incredible. You should check out Serge, Serge Gansborg one of these days. Okay, is there I mean, something I should play he, there? Because that, that's probably something that people might not have heard. People people love all this stuff, man. I tell you, when I had Marty on, he managed to get uh, from his old friend, a guitar player. I played one of Marty's band from 1984, which wow, <laughs> which like his his guitar friend like went to the effort of. Uh, digitally ripping the cassette of this song of theirs to send to me to put into the episode. I'm like, That's, Oh my God. You, that reminds me of something kind of funny. Yeah. Um, what somewhere in the early eighties, my then girlfriend and I, for some reason, I have no idea why we decided to do this. Um, decided to manage bands to try <laughs> to manage that's a thankless job it was it was it was a it was a thankless job you know and and if i told you about the one showcase that we put together you'd you'd probably laugh i mean i mean (laughs) one of the one of the main things i remember that the that on the the big printout that said instead of saying showcase it said snow case which really (laughs) Which was more accurate because of all the people who were using cocaine <laughs> at this. It was more was accurate than Showcase ever yeah. was. Okay. And we, we set out. I mean, like, I was on the phone forever organizing, organizing, like, renting a place and getting bands to come up to sh- and yeah. calling people from all over to come in and listen. One guy showed up. One guy flew in to, to look, listen to the bands, and I think he felt so bad about things that he took us out to dinner. Okay, <laughs> but in, in in any event, that, that I mean, it was a real bizarre period of time. I mean, Sounds like I it. mean, we should have been t- we should have been taking him out to dinner, but now nah, he saw we were really like in in over our heads big time. In any event. In any event, we did try to manage other bands, uh, and and one of the bands that we either that we approached was a band called the Mundanes. Yeah, now we're talking. And you know who, you know who they oh, are. Of course. Yeah, Mr. John Linnell. That's uh, 
So, I mean, it was yeah. really funny that we were in touch with them and we were, we were, tr- I can't remember, but we either tried to book them or tried to manage them. I, for- I forget. I forget. It was a very, very strange part of my life. <laughs> so that's when you, so that's when you met John Linnell then. I don't remember having met him then, but, but okay. I, obviously I did. I did. Yeah. I mean, obviously. he might not have been the guy that was like, I mean, just like with They Might Be Giants, I don't think he's the guy yeah. like running the business end and booking the shows. It probably was someone yeah. else. I just just don't remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, in any event, I, I, wor- I worked with a bunch of people uh, before I started to, to work with They Might Be Giants. Now, I played on, on a record of theirs. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan and, and Kurt and I played on a record of theirs in the last, like earlier in the, in the year, a few tracks. Huh. But aside from that, I hadn't worked with them for a few years, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so it was nice to get back in the studio with them. Yeah. Um, by the way, that email, just so that you know, the, the, the email that you sent me uh, regarding that, that, that live Withered Hope performance... Mm-hmm. Are you sure that's Mark Pender on there? Because I thought. That oh, that I could be wrong. Kurt. Um, I think I th- it's I think it's Kurt Ram. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna swear to I'll it. I'll dig into the wiki once we get to that, or maybe it doesn't have the credits listed. So I'm just assuming off of. Uh, yeah, because that's I, I the, just don't think the Velcro horns, right? That was not. I mean, the Triceratops is you know you Dan that, Kurt. That was just a. Yeah, I mean that could have been Jim on. I'm spacing on his last name all of a sudden. Uh, O'Connor. Um. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I just don't remember. But I, I don't think that didn't sound like Mark to me. Okay, Jim O'Connor probably. Yeah, Mark. If I it just, if it was Mark, I, it would probably be like some sky high note, just like a really long high note. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just don't remember that. I mean, it just didn't sound like like Mark to me. Yeah, the credits do not have. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably Jim, but that is Dan on the trombone on that. We'll uh, yeah, we're kind of jumping ahead here. We will be playing. We, we will drop I'm, that in there. That, that's that's fine. So then the f- okay. So let's see. The first recorded track you did with they might well okay. So how did you eventually get? So you saw they might be giants sometime late eighties, early nineties, and then you but you didn't actually work with them until ninety nine. Dan called me. Yeah, yes, somewhere in there. Okay, because Dan played with them because he played on dr worm and stuff that was 97 so he yeah, had already he been working with them. with them yes so then how did that all go down do you, do you have any uh any specific stories about how you ended up uh finally uh getting in with them well like i said dan called me up and probably said something like do you want to do a recording session with they might be giants and i probably said Yes. And that's probably the whole story. It's that's a fascinating that. story. That's <laughs> that. Well, yeah, you know, if you had said no, I, I wouldn't be talking to you I, right I, now. <laughs> exactly. And, and with this in mind, I know that this was eventually going to happen. I said yes. Um, but no, there's not much more of a story other than, than uh, it obviously went well enough for me to be called back again. Um, and we did... We did a bunch of. I mean, I don't really know how much you want me to just ramble, or you want me to respond to any the things that you that you say, so that you can make your editing job. Rambling is fine, man. I'm I'm telling you, people have never complained to me about there being 
too much content. No one's ever been like, that episode had too many cool stories. In it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some of the stories that I'd like to tell, I'm just not sure if I, if I should, so I won't. <laughs> You know, but, don't uh, give uh, us so the, the launch codes, the TMPG launch codes. <laughs> I, I I won't. They're, they do exist though. You know, the TMPG submarine. <laughs> you know, you got the second key that you just you know. You're, go, you're going too deep. You, know, you can't get into this area. You know, it's above but, my pay grade. I'm sworn to secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I get that. They they keep a tight lid on their their um, they really aesthetics they really in do. their uh, yeah the kind of workings of it and and, and that's this what, whole thing is just it's all a cover for some for some other. Oh stuff. yeah, they're <laughs> laundering money or something. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> but that's why it's so fun to you know why they were such a good band to. I mean, they're my favorite band, but they're such a good band for a podcast to just kind of like. I mean, for two fans, if I have an episode with just me and another fan trying to like figure out their li- like, what is this song actually about? And we could be way off, but it's still fun to just try and like figure it's, out. It's the fun songs. to do. That. I mean, you could do that with 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 almost anything that is written down. You know, it, uh, anything. You know, th- things can be even even if the meaning is is blatant and mm-hmm. just staring at mm-hmm. you. With with all of this meta criticism that's happening, you could find. I, it doesn't mean that it exists, but you could look at you know this things in many many different ways. Mm-hmm. You can really you can really destroy something good if you work hard <laughs> enough at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we 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 don't we don't cross that line. It's all done with love, and you know my my guests are the one that pick the songs, so they're coming right. in. You know they want to talk about this song. You know it's one of their favorite songs, and I love breaking down the musical elements because I was I've always been a guy that's like you know I've I've written plenty of lyrics in my day, but like my main band Outdoor Valor, like with my wife, like I make her write most of the lyrics. She's the literature professor. She's the person that's good with words, and I do most of the music and the arranging and stuff. And I love breaking down. Like I got my piano right here next to me. There will be times where I'm like trying. I'm like is that like here's the guitar chart on the wiki that some fan did. They say it's in you know E major, but like it's clearly not like me looking at it and I'll just like tinker around on the piano and figure out like, Oh, well there's a key change here. There's this, you know, cause there's so much going on in these songs. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, we could go ahead and jump then to the recording of the else, um, and get into wither to hope here. Let's see on the else. We probably, we probably should. And you're going to want to edit this out, but, but I do have a, a bit of an end time and only because just so you should know, uh-huh. and maybe your fans will want to know this. Uh, I was born in Philadelphia and I grew up, uh, I grew up across the bridge in a, the Ben Franklin bridge in a, in a town called Pensacon. Uh-huh. But my, my big city when I was growing up was Philadelphia. And as a result, um, while I can't say that I'm a fan of any sport other than tennis, I'm a fan of all things Philadelphia. Yeah. So if Philadelphia had a marble team, I'd be following <laughs> it. Okay. And so um, we're Philly, we're Phillies fans. We being yeah. me and, and and my younger daughter, who we, we are really into it more than my wife and my other daughter. I don't know if I should give their names or not. That's why. Oh, whatever you whatever you want. But but um, okay. My, so you're going my to a ball game? Margo. Sorry. Yeah, we're, and my older daughter's name is Chloe, and my younger daughter's name is Sasha. And tonight, 
we're going to uh, we're going to a Phillies game awesome. at Yankee Stadium. I, we've never I've never been to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and so I'm speaking to you from Garrison, New York, right now, and so I'm going to be driving to Manhattan where my daughter is, and uh, at our apartment in Manhattan, and I'm and then we're taking a subway to Yankee Stadium. So that's why I have a time constraint, just so you know. Yeah, let's get into it. So on the else, I see that you played on Be of the Bird of the Moth and uh, and Withered Hope, of course. Is there was there anything else on the else that you played on? I'm not seeing just uh, you're a gonna scan. have to you're gonna have to look that up. Okay. Cause because you played on I, a lot of join I, us, a lot of join us tracks, a lot of nanobots tracks. Um, and then I think it's just these two off of the else. Yeah, I mean, you're on stuff all, I mean, from the else all the way till now. Uh, Music Jail, oh man, there's some good sax stuff on that. I talked about that. I had a saxophonist on that episode, Kai Pfeiffer, a pretty good friend of mine at this point. So we were talking all about your saxes on uh, Music Jail. Um, But Withered Hope, what do you remember about the recording, arranging, uh, what have you, you know, that went into the musical elements of Withered Hope? The recording session... I remember being at a at a, uh, at a at at the session with the Dust Brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't remember playing. I vaguely remember playing at the end of it, but I don't remember a lot about recording this song with them. Okay. Okay. What's really interesting? I mean, like this song is. I think. I think it's an incredibly good song, and, and uh, but it will probably. But I can't tell you a lot about the session. Okay, I th- it was pretty pretty quick. Okay, I, he went in and knocked it out. They're they've always been fairly uh, quick. You know, all the players are. There's never been like a let's take twenty take twenty six. It's not like that, right? You know, yeah. I mean, they get you, know? you guys, you ringers, you know, to come in there and knock it out quick. I mean, you know, they're a rock band that at this point. You know, they haven't been on a major label since the 90s. So they're very DIY kind of punk rock at this point, as far as I'm concerned, you know, doing their own thing, doing it exactly the way they want. But they're still doing these awesome arrangements. I mean, like Electric Car, like we talked about, and Cloisonne, and all these songs. Like, they're still putting all these layers on it. And that's, you know, as a musician and a horn guy, you know, a wind player, I love that stuff. And, you know, a band dork through and through. So they get you pros to come in just knock it out right they only got so much time <laughs> and this chart was let me let me tell you one, let me tell you one thing yeah uh, w- w- was museum of idiots on that record that was on the spine so that was three years the previous okay am i on that record yeah you're on museum of idiots right okay yeah i i yeah, I, I know. I why was I even asking? I'm going back and forth in my head over calendars, and that's always a bad idea. But <laughs> the thing that I was going to say is, if it's a Linnell song, mm-hmm. he's pretty much going to have a chart for it that he wrote. Yeah, he's saxophonist, clarinetist. Yeah, you know, and so and so th- this this chart, I would be willing to bet, was sitting there in front of us. I'll you notate know, it um, out. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Um and it's not to say that the flans charts aren't but but I'm trying to think of whether or not he uh, how his charts actually would be down on paper. Um but that's that's another story. But but in terms of ma- in terms of it going smoothly, this chart was probably right there. And and um it's not it's not the hardest part. It's not the hardest chart in the world to play. 
But it is effective. It is effective, man. The the it's incredibly oh. effective, and it's 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 one of the. Uh, they don't. I don't think they share writing credits with a lot of people, but the Dust Brothers are given uh, credit on this. And as I read at on probably on this wiki, this this it's not the Wikipedia. What is it called? The uh, this TMBW. Uh, this might be a wiki. Yeah, I mean, we we'll just call that, it the wiki. They, the, yeah. Right. That 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 one. Um, I think that they came up with the with the with the loop. Yeah, the drum beat. It does. It does verify yeah. that. And I do love seeing, uh, you know, as a Simpson. I like seeing a songwriting credit where it says Simpson on there. And it's like, they might be they, Giants slash Simpson slash King. Because you got Easy Mike as Michael Simpson and King Gizmo, which is John King. Those are the Dust Brothers. Uh, right. Yeah, so on the wiki you're seeing but there. But you, you, know, you can claim it as yourself. Oh, it's mine. Yeah, song. you know, that's me. That's me. I'm the Simpson there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta steal what you can. What is not yours, you have to steal. Oh yeah, twenty six so, uh, year old me. I was I was out there in New York City with the with the Johns. You know, just mixing it up, doing horn charts, programming drums. No. <laughs> that would that would be something. You've some. done a lot yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it. Yeah, I love that drum beat and and uh, another one I love that the Dust Brothers did on that was that upside down frown. That, that's good, that like it's a super just subdivided little light but intense drum part um i have to listen to that again the withered hope the drum thing it's just like so like jittery it's so just like everything's just real like pointed i guess would be how i'd say and then it has that sharon jones clip in it you know i never bothered to like well i mean the- i had forgot i had even you know when you wrote that I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I mean, I, I, was, I checked out the clip that you sent me, but I didn't listen. I didn't hear it in the song. I, I don't even know the reference that you're making. Oh well, so yeah. so in the song that where the song's kind of building, you hear like little record scratching kind of sound, and you hear Sharon Jones, "Y'all ready down?" And it's like real. It's kind of it's sped up a little bit, so it sounds slightly higher pitched than. I mean, because I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll drop in. It's from, I might as well drop it in here so people know what we're talking about. The introduction yeah, yeah. to her first full-length record in 2002 um, called, oh wait, hold on, I'm going to get it wrong. It's, let me not say the title wrong. Dap Dippin' with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. It has an introduction that's like a minute and a half, and it's, it's a guy kind of, you know, amping up the crowd, like as if it were a live record and introducing her. And then when she comes on the right. stage, she says like a high or something, but then she says, y'all ready to get down? And now, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show, the super soul sister with the magnetic je ne sais quoi, Miss Sharon Jones! <laughs> And so on the track, y'all ready down? Wow, I wonder whose idea that was. I'm guessing it was the Dust Brothers. I mean, the Johns have sampled plenty of stuff. You know, they've sampled Johnny Cash and they've sampled lots of crazy stuff in their early days, especially. They don't sample like they used to, but. I mean, you're dealing with licensing issues and, you know, paying artists and stuff for samples these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I never realized it was Sharon Jones. I also couldn't understand what it was saying. And I'm like, something about Get Down. 
But then when I listen to the Sharon Jones track, I'm like, oh, y'all ready to get down. And she says it, y'all ready to get down about that speed. But in the song, it's like, y'all ready to get down. And it happens like every eight bars until like things really get big in the arrangement. And I think it comes back a couple times in the second verse. Well, yeah. Y'all ready to get down? (laughs) Uh, Sharon Jones, are you a Sharon Jones fan? I mean, she's a, they got some cool horn shit going on on the Dap King stuff. I can't say that I know, I know this stuff, but now I'm going to have to listen to it. I think you'd like it a lot. I mean, very soul funk. I mean, the record, her records sound like they're from the 70s. Like they get that retro production way down. It's just that very kind of warm uh sound like uh, yeah in the drum tone they got whatever way they're miking the drums like it's very Are they still is she still is she still around she passed away a couple of years ago actually okay um, okay she yeah it, it's funny because she like didn't really get her big break until she was already kind of later on so like i said it was her debut full length like she had had a couple 45s i guess and stuff in, in the in, in the old uh-huh. days but like it was she died in 2016 at age 60 um she was born in 1956 she didn't get her wow. debut lp in two, two, until 2002 wow so like she was discovered pretty pretty late and i don't know her late, full yeah. story but yeah she died in in 2016 um yeah i think Oh, she bile duct cancer and then pancreatic cancer. Uh, Holy crap! Is that that that's a bad. Those bad alone. They're they're both horrible. Yeah, I do remember hearing about that because at one point, like she was still performing and she just went with the shaved head thing. Like she she refused to wear wigs and she could uh, totally uh, pull it off. Like she was very you know always like very uh, uh, the the whole band you know like suits and all that you know very kind of the dapper kind of. Um, yeah, like from from the seventies, like a a funk band, you know, everyone's wearing ties. You know, people are you know right. being a showman, being a showwoman. You know, she was always looking great. I remember she, yeah, I think she had she had shaved her head and went starting like she dyed it blonde and all this very cool look. Um, but yeah, I guess finally she had a stroke. Oh my god, I hadn't read this. Jones, uh, let's see, she suffered a stroke while watching the twenty sixteen United States presidential election results, and jokingly claimed that the news of Donald Trump's victory was responsible for her stroke. Oh god, hilarious till the end, and she passed away. It looks like two weeks later, in Cooperstown. Whoa. Yeah, and it's a shame because yeah, she really didn't come to prominence, and and really even her fame was kind of on like an in indie like indie rock level like she was this soul funk artist but i feel like she was kind of underappreciated like her band played on amy winehouse's big record like that's the dap really? kings on that um back to black record the dap kings i know i i didn't know her yeah so so they were her backing band yeah so sharon jones and the dap kings is usually how they were built um okay anyway so yeah the sharon jones sample that's from the very beginning of her of her debut lp y'all ready to get down and so the it's it happens yeah maybe eight times in the song in withered hope but yeah, it's kind of manipulated and kind of sped up, and there's a little like, like a little like kind of record scratch thing, you know, as the Dust Brothers right, do. Right. Y'all ready to get down? Dun it, dun it. Right when the piano hits. So yeah, you'll you'll know it now that I'm telling you what it sounds like. Y'all ready to get down? Like you'll you'll notice it now. It's not like super hot in the mix, but it's almost like it's part of the drum track, you know. 
Um, so this song, I think one of the cool things about the, the way this this song grooves in a way that's different from a lot of They Might Be Giants songs in that it's almost like the song's almost like it's just sitting on E for like a really long time. Like the whoa, piano's whoa. dancing around, but that dun 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 there's a pedal going on, yeah. you know, there's a, for, for a long time. And, and, and there's something that, I mean, one of the things that I always loved about uh, Once in a Lifetime, mm-hmm. the, the bass never changed. Right. There's, yeah. The I, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Uh, this, I mean, it just stays there. And, and one thing that I, I want to say uh, about this is, first of all, this song Unlike some of, of Linnell's other songs, there there is no. It's not a particularly melodic song. You know, the song is like the the phrases consist of like generally one or two notes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's about it. There's not. It's not a. It's not a. Wow, that's the greatest melody I've ever heard in my life. It's not like that. It's like certain Beethoven melodies. It's just like. A couple of notes that that are used as cells, mm-hmm. which generate the rest of this the song, and and rhythmically, it's pretty much. I mean, do you want to talk about the? Do you want to talk about this song? Oh yeah, totally. And yeah, I've I've I noticed exactly what you're talking about. Like if you sung it, like this song wouldn't work acapella or it wouldn't be interesting because when it gets into the chorus, withered hope, I'm in love with you, da 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 da. Da, 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 da. This could never be. It's just like one note, and it'll dip down a couple times. But it's relying almost completely on the it's power all behind about it. That. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. At least one note samba has a bridge. Which yeah. goes up. <laughs> but this is kind of like I mean, this is this this is a two notes, you know. Uh, but it's it's so effective. It's incredible. It's so effective, and and also rhythmically do you know i mean i don't know how much you've you've checked this out on or on what terms in what terms you've checked it out but the, there are four bar phrases but the melody is broken is often only covering three bars mm-hmm. okay first of all the form of this song is not typical I mean, right. li- listen, that, 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 that what, what do you want to call that little introductory thing in the beginning? Um, so are we you talking know, you, after, so like when the piano comes in, are we talking when it's just a little guitar? It's like that little palm-muted guitar. As, as soon as the, vo- the vocal comes in. The okay. vocal comes in for just that one, there are four bars of an intro, I think, and then the vocal comes in. Is that correct? Very sensitive. Yeah, so... Now, okay, the vocals came in after four bars. You were right. Okay, and wow, like that. that I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that that's an example of a Dust Dust Brothers move. Okay, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know whether whether the Giants would have said or Liddell would have said. Let's let's have the vocal come in like right away. You know, because and 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 what would be considered a normal or a typical song the drums that have come in and then maybe the piano that maybe if you're going to break things up maybe the piano lick would have come in afterward Mm -hmm. and then but they have the vocals coming in it before that piano lick that i don't hear i mean i i don't know if i've ever heard that before and look at that look at that phrase 
it's ba 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 two eighth notes and a and two uh, quarter notes repeated f- that adds up to three beats that's a three beat phrase okay that three beat mm. phrase it happens four times in a row the same rhythm it happens four times in a row within a three bar phrase and then there's a bar of rest at the end so they're they're messing around with these phrases okay they're yeah. not off it's almost like we're getting some um I don't know. Would you call it hemiola at that point? It's almost like well, a three against so, it's four something, thing. It's it's something. It, yes. Okay, and that happens all over the place. And what's really interesting about this is, I mean, the da da da, like eighth notes and and, and these groupings are all over. And there are other groupings that happen all over the place as well. Seemingly, I think constantly building, but it's these are simple building blocks that they, that they use to construct this this really powerful song and i have to tell you this that that um there's only one i have in my notes one four bar uh there's a, there's one phrase that stands out in this whole this whole piece mm-hmm. and, and it's oh, oh there's only one f- part of the song where there it's a it's an entire four bars that is covered. Which uh, it, lyric yeah, are you talking about? Al- almost every other time, the fourth bar in every four-bar phrase is is a rest for the most part. the The phrase that's that's right before the horn, the first horn entrance. This is what he said. Yes, that is that is the only time I think that there's something in the fourth bar of of this song. Yeah, and he could add a I, 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 pinned it to his arm, gave her everything uh, uh, he was uh, holding uh, in uh, his uh, head. Uh, yeah. This is what he said. <laughs> That's that, that, there's nothing else in that song that is like that. Okay, and that leads into that. That leads right into the horns, and and I don't know if this is like unconscious, subconscious. Or maybe it was planned. I mean, like, it's genius. I, yeah, I mean, I like. I don't know how much. I mean, next time I see Linnell, I'll have to ask him this. Yeah. But I, I don't know how much he thought about this stuff, or whether it just was his instinct and his skill and creativity yeah. kicking in. But look at look at look at the other. Look at all the examine every other phrase in this song. Yeah, every other even four the choruses. Bar. Withered hope, I'm in love with you. There's a, they've got you see, a lot of those same rhythms. See, it's 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 all over them. It's all that's what the song is, okay. And <laughs> that's one of the things that makes it so great. And then, and then look at look at look at the horn section. That's that's another one of these things. Although that that's that's basically what the, what the piano was was doing. But yeah, you're getting um, that bada 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 bada. Yeah, it is a cool. It's almost like you're playing in two different time signatures. It's like one, two, and three. One, two, three. One, yeah. two, and three. Okay. <laughs> well, the drum thing is still going in four, four. It's like yes, you're it's different time going, signatures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This this is one song I've never tried to cover. I think it may, that may have dawned on me if I had attempted to cover it, but like this is why I love doing these episodes where it's just like, oh, how are you going to talk about one song for an hour? Well, 
when it's a song like this, it's pretty easy. <laughs> no, it's and and that line, that line, the the, the, the which is basically the keyboard line, mm-hmm. has more melodic movement in it than any of the lyric, any of the vocals yeah, do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the lyrics are really doing, as far as Linnell's focus, like the lyrics are doing the heavy lifting, the lyrics, and we'll get into the lyrics and what we might interpret them, you know, who knows. Um, but like, yeah, like for him in this song, it's very groove-based, very dynamic-based, very arrangement-based, and the lyrics are cool, but yeah, it's not about a vocal hook, like you said, to, to start off. That's I mean, there, there there are things that are kind of, kind of hooky, but, but, uh, but they're... I mean, the horn part is me- very memorable. And I have to mm-hmm. tell you this, even though, I mean, the horns played, uh, play, we do played under the sad sack thing, you know, and there's a little bit at the end, but there's not a lot of horn work in this song. But it's one of those songs that is, at least for me, and, and judging by the way the other guys always sounded, I think everybody loved playing those parts. Yeah. You know, they were really, really, they felt really, really good to, to play. Yeah, and, and this one, it's just like, it's a rocker. I mean, I can manage just like, uh, dynamic, fortissimo, through the whole thing, you know, it's just like, bum, 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 bum. And, and, and that's not, and they, they do pay attention to, to uh, dynamics as a band. This is This is just pretty... You know, but but a lot of the building has to do with the addition of of, of instruments yeah. as as well. Yeah. There's definitely some swells, some little forte pianos like that, that, that's 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 in the um, yes. Where where are those? That's in that's in the that's in the, under the sad sax statements. Yeah, right? I think there's even somewhere it's like try, right, no, doing no, the piano the line too. You know, just kind of like grows into the chorus, and, and, maybe. And the, yeah, and, the, and those horn swells are in the second the second uh, part of the of the of the of the melody. So good, so You're effective. Right. Yeah, just the builds there. I mean, and that's something that, like, you know, as a guy who I play a lot of guitar these days and a lot of very loud guitar, but, like, uh, a, an electric guitar through a distortion pedal is one of the least dynamic instruments there is. I mean, and you can see it on a recording. You look at the waveforms, it's just... just <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, a vocalist or a wind instrument, that's, like, where you're getting the really... And, and that's what's hard as an engineer. Like, up, oh, they just clipped it on that. You know, there's like they did a crescendo and they just clipped the, you know, like finding the levels. But that's where you get those dynamics. And like, you know, you can kick on like your fuzz pedal and, and get louder. But like the a, an electric guitar can't do a crescendo or decrescendo all that easily. Uh, unless you have like a volume pedal. But like, I was going to say, yeah. you need a volume or, you know, a volume knob or activity oh yeah it yeah it's just like um the the, so the horn swells are really what push it towards each really loud section and then you just keep pounding away on the sad sack part yeah it's funny the vocal hook sad sack it's just those two notes and it's but it's so fun to sing sad sack it's just so in your face by the the way i i would i if i might suggest something Mm -hmm. the uh i would you can see what I did. Yeah. I I I wrote the rhythms of the the song down. Yeah, and, everybody and stand here. He's got 
staff. He has notated stuff on staff paper is what he's showing me. You may be the first to do that. I have a lot of people that have taken notes and a lot of very musical people. We've broken down parts of the songs really in depth like this, but I don't know if anyone's ever charted stuff out before. <laughs> I wanted to actually like check out the yeah. these rhythms and compare yeah. them. And I think if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have realized that there was only one section in the entire song that is four bar that fills four bars. Another and that's pretty that is pretty cool. Oh, it's very really. cool. I think another major thing of in this song that really is effective to me and kind of brings in that tone like they've talked about this being like their George W record. Like they don't have lyrics where it's like George W this, he did this, you know, dropping bombs. They don't get political like that, but it's it's deeper in there. But they've talked about how there was just like a dark cloud over like the songwriting uh, on this record. And this song, the fact that it's like, it's kind of happy and jittery. I don't know if I'd say happy, but it's E major, you know. But the chorus, just the, the G minor chords all over the place. Like you'd think like, oh, the chorus, that's the big hooky part. But like you said, there's not a hook here. It goes dark in the chorus like blasting horns g minors just riding it out uh it is just like a i mean it is a rocker it's so good it is and and there's a lot of pleading going on you know i and and uh, i mean what i'm interested in, i'm curious to know what you think about the meaning of this song i know that lots of people are weighing in on this i i, I would like to point out mm-hmm that they did chose Withered Hope as the title. In- instead of Sad it, Sack. <laughs> yes. You know, I think it's important. Uh, it might not be important. It's just something that is to be to be noticed. Uh, and I also want to point say one other thing. Uh, one, one of the things that makes this band, among the many things that make this band really interesting to me, uh, is their... References are are all over the place. Mm-hmm. They can be, you know, you know, they can be from anywhere. Yeah, and 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 uh, I haven't heard the phrase "sad sack" since <laughs> I was a kid. It's old fashioned, yeah. You know, I, I found out that that. Do you know anything about that phrase? No. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, I checked it out. I yeah. checked it out. <laughs> First of all, it was like uh, around uh, World War Two. It came out of World a comic book. That was written around World War II, and it was short. <laughs> it's short for "sad sack of shit." That's, that's okay. That, that's that. And, you know, it's it's about just like a, a nebbishy, schmucky guy who like everything goes wrong for the guy. It's an inept you know, soldier, but, is, is how yes, they're describing it on Wikipedia. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And and so I knew of that that phrase from a cartoon i guess it was that although i was born after world war ii but but i remember seeing comics of it Mm -hmm. references to a comic and but i haven't i hadn't heard that phrase and for decades and decades of course they would they would know that yeah they know they know everything Um, (laughs) okay it looks like okay so the phrase said sack of shit was coming during world war ii but it looks like the comic started in 55 and went to 76 uh, okay so then 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 it was in the it was in the early 60s probably that i had first known of it it was created by sergeant george baker so a a military man created this soldier yeah 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 (laughs) 
man. You know, and so so I guess it was, it was in those comics that I that I heard it. I might even have had it. Um, uh, if there was a sad sack comic book, I might have had it. Or maybe he was. I don't know if there was a comic in the newspaper called Sad Sack. I'm not sure. Yeah. So do you think the Johns are referring to that specific character from this comic when no, they say no. Sad Sack? Probably not. I would agree. No. I, I would. I would. I would bet everything on that they're not referring to that. Character. Mm-hmm. But that that is like that describes. You know, somebody like that character. Yeah, so the main character, Sad Sack, and then you've also got Withered Hope. And these, yeah, the characters' names, they're all, I mean, it's not a name, but like Withered Hope is Sad Sack's friend. Um, Then we've got, let's see, Withered Hope has a soulmate, um, but the soulmate is thinking about a beautiful crook, but the crook is in love with a motorbike, but the motorbike doesn't like crooks. The crook is the one that likes the sad sack. It's like just the circular, this relationship of pining after someone you can't have. It's it's the it's it's it, the crazy. That's thing. basically that's basically what it, what it it's that's yeah, that's what it is. And they're all they're all sad sacks. Yeah. You know? Every every one is a sad sack, and every one of those characters is dealing with withered hope. You know, they all experience withered hope. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no matter what, it's not just a sad sack who's who's experiencing withered hope. Yeah, but to say he's in love with withered hope is to say somebody, somebody, I mean, some some of us enjoy that type of feeling, right? You know, because when things get too too good, you don't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like complaining is a more comfortable place to be. <laughs> Being in a, in a in a place of need. Uh, is more comfortable than actually having something because what do you do with your life when everything is going well? Right. You know, are you bored? Do you have no purpose anymore? If your purpose in life is solving problems or experiencing them at least, when they're not there, I mean, it's as boring as a sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a TMBG thing to say. It, I mean, but yeah, if you're watching a TV show and there's never a problem that needs to be solved, like you wouldn't be worth yeah, watching. You know, there's not, there's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's nothing. Man. So these two live versions we've alluded to. So very quickly, just to get you on your way, I will play those two, those two clips of those. Um, the... So the one that came first was actually that live right around the else. I guess they're promoting the else. They were on that XM radio show um, and the Velcro horns. So Jim O'Connor is definitely, yeah, it's definitely him that's on it. Uh, Mark Pender, I think, was earlier stuff, earlier than 2007, doing stuff with them. Uh, like he's the one on Dr. Worm. I, th- I don't think he was playing with them as, as late as 2007. Uh, so that was Jim O'Connor. You and I don't know that Mark Dan was Levine. ever a steady member. Of the I don't, know, no. I don't know to what you know. I mean, I did some shows with Mark, but I I don't know that he was ever considered a full time player. I just I I mean maybe right. he was. I just don't know. Well, it's just like I mean, and again, the wiki is not infallible, but it's saying that there's maybe three versions of the Velcro horns. And, you know, it's just a loose collective of horn players, I suppose, right? right. You know, the Triceratops horns, you guys are more, you know, you're a solidified three people. Where the Velcro horns, it's saying that Mark Pender was a part of, like, the second iteration of the Velcro right, horns. Right, okay, okay. Right, right, something like that, right? You know, when he was available, he would play. You know, I mean, all the all you New York City guys, you know, um, 
hopping in there when the Johns need you, you know, that kind of thing for that live stuff. But that, that like the solos, like your solo is really cool and jazzy, like for, for this song. And then Dan Levine's like trombone thing is just, it's, I don't know how I describe that, but it's real. It's, it's appropriately in your face. And then Jim O'Connor's trumpet stuff is just like, so rapid fires. These solos all surprise me. You know, in a positive sense, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. I know, like I wasn't expecting a, an extended solo section because, yeah, it's it's a good twenty seconds longer of a song than it is on the record. On the, the record, yeah. These two uh, covers, yeah. Let's talk about the covers real quick. Um, your f- z- piano cover. So this is on YouTube. You know, this, uh, the YouTube channel, yeah, it's Y-O-R-F-Z, and she does a piano cover, and I mean, obviously, she really strips it down. Um, she in, she interprets certain things, mm-hmm. and in other, in other areas, they're just plain wrong, 
But I don't know if they're mistakes or that's her interpretation. I can't, I don't really know. Sure. I mean, it's her live in front of a camera. You know, it's not a recorded thing. I think what I like about it is that it's a tough song. And we've talked about how tough it is. And I mean, I think I mentioned like, oh, this song wouldn't work a cappella. <laughs> like, this is a song that's built on an arrangement. So to strip it down to just vocals and piano, that's tough. I think she does an admirable job at it. I give her credit for having a- attempted it. You, you know, when, right. when you have it, when you when you have a vocal that is so, uh, once again, based on one or two notes, you have mm-hmm. to. You you can't rely on the melody of the song to make it work. You you it takes more work on your part to make it sound musical, right. you know, to convey something. Mm-hmm. Because the notes are not doing the the notes are kind of standing, you know, they're they're they're, they're standing back a little bit, saying, right. you know, you've got to meet me halfway here, and and uh, you know, it, it's like. You listen to Junior Walker play one note, and it's like you're saying an awful lot with that one that one note. Yeah. Other players seem to require lots of notes before <laughs> something. You know, let them play one note, and it's like you don't really have it. There's something, mm-hmm. at least to my ears, that are missing. <clears throat> one note requires the fewer notes require more musicality. I think. Yeah. No, I get you. you. Know? Uh, so let let me just let me just stop there oh that's that's um, cool what'd you think but, but about um uh yeah we don't need to like give it a thumbs up or thumbs down or anything you know we could just we'll move on mm-hmm. to the the next one i think is really interesting and, so this band spooky girls Did you get a chance to listen to the Spooky Girls? They cover the Else in its entirety, the whole album. Wow. I mean, I did, and I, I listened to it once, and I, and, I, and, I, <clears throat> and so I, I might not be correct because of, of the way in which I was listening to it, but their cover, as I recall, for the most part, was an attempt to recreate what was there. It's almost you know, like I, a Nintendo version of the song, right? It's like very kind of rinky-dink synth kind of uh, drum machine stuff. I think it's pretty fun. Okay, in general, I will say this. that when, that when well, Let me tell you what I look for in a cover. Sure. I look for, of anything, I look for some type of individuality, okay? I look mm-hmm. for something that might 
actually be better than the original in some way mm-hmm. or shed some kind of new light on the original, bring something out that I wasn't aware was there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I keep thinking of like, got to get you into my life. You know, I, I, the, the way the way they covered the, uh, the the Earth, Wind and Fire covered the Beatles. Ah, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know, that that type of thing. Yeah, uh, sure. The, the, the way the way Joe Cocker covered the letter you know i'm these are just a couple Mm. of references that come to mind you have just turned that song into something completely different and that's interesting to me you know i'm not so much interested in bands that that personal taste who cover a song and make it sound try to make it sound exactly like the original right you know i'd rather just listen to the original yeah oh yeah 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 oh totally okay totally so i i like i like something with a different approach Mm -hmm. um yeah some more different than others to kind of bastardize george (laughs) sure so um, then the big the final section of the show i'm going to make you score this song now you've listened to an episode or two of the show so you're aware of this coming now you're scoring it Again, it's zero to ten. You can use decimal points. You're scoring it against the canon of TMBG. You're not scoring it against "Got to Get you Into My Life." Y- you know, you're not scoring it against "My Guitar Gently Weeps." You're, recur- you're scoring it against right. other "They Might Be Giants" songs. So, you know, like if a ten for you, like a ten for me, like "She's an Angel" would be a ten. Doctor Worm would be a ten. Birdhouse. Uh, where would you score "Withered Hope"? I'm going to give it a 9.36. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, this song is great, and the Else is full of great tracks. I'm right there with you. I'm going to go 9.5 on that. This is a great song, and I don't give a whole lot of nines. I got to score them off. I gave everything a nine or ten. It would be pointless. Um, so I guess exactly. the last thing, you had sent me an email ways back when we first started talking I want you to plug some of your stuff, and you could you could do it quickly. I'll drop in sound clips and posts, and oh, you could tell me oh, what to okay. drop in. I want people to hear some of your more modern uh, work that you were telling me okay, about. Well, I, I'd like to just right now plug the thing that I've been doing in the last like year, the last six or eight months. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got some other records out under my own name, but but I started a project called 20 seconds of something mm-hmm. okay if you go to facebook you'll see a 20 seconds of something page if you go to youtube you'll see a 20 seconds of something youtube page okay i realize that sending links is of no use because of the fact that this is a podcast i will i will if, grab that audio and put it in here if you tell me it's a couple but, tell me a couple specific but, but, ones yeah well well right now i mean like it, there, these are these are very short compositions, all accompanied by videos that I put together. Okay. Oh, you did the videos yourself too. Yes. Nice. Okay, and so if you just go and check them out, I would just like more people to be aware of them. I don't know what I'm doing with them, if anything, but the more people who hear them, um, the better. Hopefully, people will like them. Maybe somebody. Somebody will have an, an interesting idea. I, I'm right now just in the process of making them. Oh, it's a cool uh, idea. Eight. Yeah, it's very. I think they might be Giants fans will like it a lot. I mean, for one, they're familiar with you, but like stuff that's under a minute long, like that brevity, they might be Giants are known for brevity, and we like short right, songs right. as they might be Giants so, fans. You know, you get to if it, you get any, hit it and quit it. If you get any feedback about it, I'd I'd love to know. 
but once again, the way I'm telling you, either the either the YouTube page, twenty seconds of something, or my Facebook page, twenty seconds of something, um, you'll saw, you'll see they're right now. They're eight pieces up. I'm just about ready to finish the knife, and and uh, nice. I've had some wonderful people on them. Uh, drummers Billy Ward and Dave King from uh, the Bad Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, Michael Gregory Jackson, a great guitar player, just just to name a, a couple. Yeah, um, you know Clark Gayton, uh, Robbie Best, horn players. I, I don't want to go into the to the whole thing. Oh, this sounds um, like a I'm lot gonna, of fun. As far as so, yeah. this being an audio thing, detached from the video, which which one should I play in this episode right now? P- play the very first one called "By Way of Introduction." You got it. We'll tweet That's out a link to people uh, of the YouTube channel and the Facebook page there, so they can check out more of that. Do do, do you have the, Can you find those links for yourself? Are you able? To oh do yeah, that? I'm looking at your YouTube channel right now. Okay. Yeah. So if you could if you could do that link and or as well as the Facebook thing, so sure. Could, I'd love to hear what people think. Yeah, but I'll man. tell you, Greg, I got to get I got to get my ass. In, have in fun here. at the ball game, man. I'm sure it'll be a blast. Thank you so much for being on, man. I really appreciate oh, listen, you taking the time. A, it was a pleasure. And I'll tell you, we could have talked a lot more about the music <laughs> and the lyrics of this thing, but but time is just not permitting. But um, I, anyway, I think we got into it pretty well. I, th- I know people are going to enjoy hearing from you and hearing about some of the other stuff you're on. These amazing stories, you know, Radiohead, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Stan. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was dude. a pleasure, Greg. All right. Have fun. Thanks a million. Take you out to that ball game. See you later, man. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye.